Welcome to the pen and the yad. This week's Torah portion is Truma. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig and talks about does giving from the heart lead to giving with heart? Let's talk about your heart. My cold. cold I'm assuming heart. you have. Right? <laughs> assuming you have one. I, I know you do. Because the Torah opens this week in the portion of Truma with an appeal to the Israelites' hearts. We're about to begin the biggest building project of all time, to build a house for God. And the Torah is going to continue by going into exacting detail as to how this is going to be built. But in order for it to be built, it's going to take a tremendous number of contributions. Something you've had to deal with from time to time in your line of work. Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty familiar with this. But the Torah says something at the very beginning of the portion, which it's not going to repeat anywhere else. It starts by saying, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the Israelite people to bring me gifts, accept gifts for me from every person whose heart moves him. And it's those last couple of words that are so unusual. It's the only time in the Torah where those words are used, whose heart moves him. Because as if to say... Well, if your heart doesn't move you, then I guess you shouldn't give to this particular project. It doesn't say that anywhere else. You think about the laws regarding agriculture and charity or tzedakah, and you have to leave the corners of your field. You have to leave the leanings on the ground when you're harvesting. Right? It's not if your heart so moves you, leave three corners of your field, the corners of your field. And there, that distinction is important because on an everyday basis, it matters that you give because people's lives are at risk. But here, the building of the tabernacle has to be done by giving your heart, giving of your heart, coming, giving from your heart. And I think that's a very interesting distinction for us. Well, it leaves a lot of room for individuality and for nuance. And, you know, everybody gives differently. Um, we just passed the holidays where Giving Tuesday was this was this thing, right? Like you spend all your money on your holiday gifts and it was Black Friday and Cyber Monday and whatever else. And then there's Giving Tuesday. And suddenly my Facebook feed is just flooded with every friend of mine asking for a contribution to a different source, different charity. And at a certain point, you just turn it off. It's just too much. I'm not giving to anybody because, like... Otherwise, how am I going to choose from all of these? And how do you decide to give? Do you give the same amount every year to a different organization? Do you put it on auto-renew so that you don't have to think about it? Is that okay? That's one set of questions. But in a sense, it's not giving Tuesday from the heart. It's giving Tuesday from the guilt. Right. You know, look, you spent all this money on Black Friday, and now it's Cyber Monday. And now, let's talk here. Yeah. What are you doing for anybody else but yourself? It reminds me, I was reading recently about um, Ebenezer Baptist Church and how it grew under the leadership of Martin Luther King Sr. And they said the key was that he decided to publish the amount that his members contributed each month in the newsletter. And once people saw how much their neighbors were contributing, donations went up and up and up. Nobody wanted to, to have their name missing from the newsletter each month because people were looking to see who was and who wasn't giving. It saved the church, but... Is that the way we should be giving? Is that giving from the heart or is that giving out of guilt? Well, it's giving out of obligation. Giving that, that's giving out of obligation. For the, in that case, the church is acknowledging, it's saying by sending out a newsletter that, that lists the amount of money that everyone's giving, it's also acknowledging that it's your responsibility to give. That's right. And that's a very Jewish understanding of it. 
So Jewish organizations in Chicago publish books where it's public knowledge of what Jews give to the JUF, for instance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have criticized this and said, you know, this is disgusting. I don't, I don't want my name up there. Why would you want to do this? It's just exactly the same reason as Martin Luther King. Right. Because it's your obligation. You should be giving. And by the way, because it's out there in public view, people give more. Yeah, it works. It, it works. But that is a, that's very far afield from the idea of giving from your heart. So th does that mean we need to do both? Can you do them simultaneously? I'm going to suggest that the Torah is saying something very profound here about that exact question. Because building a house for God in this world isn't just about the bricks and mortar of that house, but it's really about how we create a place for God in the universe. So the starting point might be the Mishkan or the temple ultimately, but the real house of God is the world itself. So if I begin this process by giving of my heart because it matters to me that God has a place in this world, then it would logically follow that I would also live my life in a way where I was giving from my heart. That's a connector that we don't make. So this gift to building the tabernacle should have some, some love in it. It should have some sweat and some toil and some passion behind it. But the other gifts, the, the, the setting aside part of your crops, that doesn't have to. That's automatic. You should just put that in the, in the books every year. I think that 100%. Look, here's the difference between tzedakah and charity. The word charity is based on the word keratas, Greek word for love. Tzedakah means justice. So when you give tzedakah, it's your obligation to make a just world. If I'm giving because I have love in my heart, well, what if I don't have love in my heart? What if I'm a racist? What if I'm an anti-Semite? What if I don't like Christians? What if, and on it goes. I don't give to you. I'll give to you. Because you, you know... So where is my obligation here? I think that's a very powerful distinction. Now, will my giving lead to love? If I was in the habit of giving, would I take the time to look into the eyes of a person and talk to them? Do I see them as a fellow human being who was having a hard time, as opposed to riffraff that I have to wade through to get into Starbucks? Right the obligation should lead you to a different relationship with those people. I'll give you an example from my own life. I feel obligated to give to people. I take this obviously very seriously, but I can't give to every person. But what I do is I make a point of looking at the person and saying, I'm sorry, I can't do that today. So the eye contact and the humanity, the treating this person as a person as opposed to just an outstretched cup, is something. It's giving us something of yourself. I like, And I'd like to be able to say I would have got there on my own. Right. That, yeah, because I'm, I'm that kind of person. Right. But I can't tell you that with any surety. It's too easy to look away, too easy to pretend the person's not there, too easy to say, I got other things going on in my day. Sorry that your life is tough, but I got, I got things to do. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that the obligation is what got me there. 
That reminds me of um, my wife and I have this debate when the guys are selling newspapers, and the streetwise newspapers used to be much more um, prevalent in the city, but they're still out there. Um, I would just give the guy a dollar and not take the newspaper because I wanted him to have the whole dollar and not to lose the 50 cents that he was going to have to pay back for selling the newspaper. This way he would have more newspapers to sell. My wife said, no, I want to take the newspaper because that's his job, and I want to show him that I respect his job, and I want to read the newspaper, and maybe I'll learn something from it. And as usual, I came to believe that she was right. You know, it's interesting. I do the same thing you do, and I have never thought about it that way, but it reminds me of something that happened to me when I was in Haiti. I went with my daughter, and we were going from site to site. And the way that this particular organization did their work was in order to become part of this microfinancing, you had to first do a few things to show that you could take responsibility. And the first thing was to put a charcoal filter into your water to make sure that you were living a healthier life. The person who was leading us through would check to see that they had this charcoal filter. And then he would ask for a glass of water. And we went from place to place to place to place. And by the 10th one, he's still taking glasses of water. I'm thinking, God, how thirsty can you be? And I said, why do you do that? And he said, I do that because this is probably the first time in these people's lives that they've ever been able to give another person something of value. And so what he was actually saying was, I am acknowledging their humanity, their worth as people. And so that's the idea of moving from the obligation to the heart. And I think that that's something we should be thinking about. Can we think about Giving Tuesday as something from the heart and not from the guilt? I'm not sure, but I think it's something we should be it's worth trying. About. Worth trying. Thanks, Jonathan.